0: All right, here we are, lesson number six in our series, uh, The King and His Kingdom, Jesus in the book of Matthew. Today's lesson is entitled The Kingdom Grows. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I think I'll do the same. A lot of our material will be taken from that particular uh, chapter this morning. Okay, so we're studying the person of Jesus as He is described in Matthew's gospel. So far we've seen that Matthew focuses on Jesus' royal character as the king of the kingdom of heaven. And in our last couple of lessons, Matthew has described, among other things, the king himself as Lord over the uh, spiritual world, the nature and experience that one can find in the kingdom of this king, uh, the king establishing his kingdom here on earth, and the king preparing others to go and spread the borders of his his kingdom. So in today's lesson we're going to study one of the basic tools that the king used in helping his kingdom to grow. Since faith is the key that allows one to enter into Christ's kingdom, we know that, we've discussed that in this series and of course in, in other lessons as well, Faith is the key that allows one to enter into Christ's kingdom. The nourishing of that faith is the main way that Jesus used to promote individual growth of those already in the kingdom. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. And so If you want to build faith, the way to build faith initially is to hear the words of Christ. If you want to grow faith, the way to do that is to continue to absorb, continue to feed on the words of the Lord. Now one of the major teaching tools that Jesus used in the nourishing of the faith of His disciples was the use of a device called a parable or parables. Matthew explains that Jesus Uh, did this for two reasons. In Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read that. He says, first of all, um, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 10, he says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he who will have an abundance... Uh, But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And so Jesus explains that He taught in parables basically for two reasons. He explains in this passage. One, to continue the teaching and the maturation of those who are in the kingdom. And number two, to keep hidden the things of the kingdom from those who disbelieved and who rejected Him as the scripture said that they would. The scripture said that he would teach in parables and would not be understood, would not be received. A lot of times he would be teaching a large crowd and in the group would be both believers and non-believers, all in the same group. And so the parable format was perfect in reaching one while leaving out the other. They both got the same parable, but because one group believed, they they got insight into the parable. And the other group, because they disbelieved, they only heard the words of the parable but could not discern the meaning of it. So my lesson today, I'm going to talk more about parables themselves as um, as a form of teaching than the specific parables contained in this passage, which are already familiar Uh, You probably know these, very familiar with these. so I'm not going to go through the individual parables and kind of talk about them. I want to talk about parables in general and how Jesus used them. So in this way you'll be better able to understand all the parables when you you read them um, in the various uh, Gospels. So let's talk about parables, shall we? The word parable means to place beside to place beside. In the biblical context, it signified the placing of two or more objects together in order to compare them. And so Jesus used the parable approach so that He could lay physical and material things alongside the unseen spiritual things of the kingdom of heaven. So when one understood the relationships and the functions and the lessons that the physical things taught, then these gave insight into the workings of the kingdom. So in a parable, the physical mirrored the spiritual. Now it was a good teaching tool, uh, as I said, because it was easily understood by all people, even those who were not educated. And also it was uh, easily remembered. Now usually uh, an an imaginary story about something that you know, could have happened, but was used to illustrate some higher spiritual truth. This is the, usually the ways that, uh, that parables work. Let me tell you that again. Usually it was an imaginary story about something that could have happened, but was used instead to illustrate some higher spiritual truth. So don't confuse a parable with a myth or a fable. Not a myth, not a fable, because the lessons in parables are couched in stories that could have actually happened. There are no fairies you know in, in parables. There are no ghosts. there are no you know mysterious things. you know A parable is a story, but it's a story about something that could easily have happened. Now, some scholars debate whether some of the parables Uh, or in some of the parables, Jesus is actually telling a story that actually happened. Others say, no, this is just a parable. For example, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Some people think that's an actual story that actually happened. It actually explains a relationship. Others say, no, this is a a parable trying to uh, teach a certain point. Now, Parables are not a device that that were invented by by Jesus. For example, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan the prophet gives David a parable, the parable of the man with the sheep, the rich man taking the poor man's sheep and and using it to to feed his guests, the only sheep that, uh, that this poor man had. Uh, Nathan gives this parable to David in order to illustrate what he had done uh, by taking Uriah's wife and seducing her. So the idea of parables did not begin with with, uh, Jesus. Uh, However, Jesus borrows this device and He gives it a special meaning. Now in the New Testament only Jesus uses parables and they're recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke. Uh, only, only those three. John, uh, no parables in the book of John. John instead has figures. Uh, I am the vine. Uh, I am the true vine. I am the light. He uses that particular uh, device or he records uh, those particular devices that Jesus is using. Now Some are, uh, some of the parables rather, are repeated in more than uh, one gospel and many of them uh, are exclusive only to one uh, gospel. For example, the uh, Pearl of Great Price uh, is only found in the book of uh, Matthew. Uh, The story of the the parable of the Good Samaritan is only found in Luke. So there's a mixture of these. You You can find them in different places. Now in order to draw accurate lessons from the parables, there are some basic rules that you have to follow, you know, what, what, what are called rules of interpretation, you know, correct conclusions. You want to arrive at a correct conclusion so you, there's a certain protocol you follow to interpret the, just like you know computer program. You know, when you're installing a computer program, a certain protocol that you have to follow in order to arrive at the correct, uh, at the correct uh, result. In the same way for parables, There's a certain protocol that you have to follow in order to arrive at the correct conclusion. So first of all, first rule, if you wish, is this. Number one, look for the spiritual truth as it applies to the situation that prompted the telling of the parable in the the first place. For example, it was the grumbling of the Pharisees because Jesus ate with sinners, It was that situation that prompted the telling of the parable of the prodigal son. See what I'm saying? So in order to properly interpret the parable, the lesson must first be applied to their situation, meaning the Pharisees who were grumbling because Jesus was eating with sinners. So Jesus gives the parable of the prodigal son. Well, if you're going to figure out what it means, you have to first of all apply whatever lessons are in that parable to the situation in which uh, the parable was first, uh, was first spoken. In other words, what does the story have to do with the, uh, with the grumbling Pharisees, first and foremost, before you, before you apply any lessons to a modern day uh, situation? All right, so look for the spiritual truth prompting the telling of the parable, rule number one. Rule number two avoid oversimplification or overcomplication. In other words, don't look for meaning in every single little detail in the parable and do not over interpret. For example, oversimplify. Let's use an example of oversimplification. To say that the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches that the doing of good to others is the be-all and end-all of Christianity, well, that's to oversimplify. And you see people doing that, don't you? They say, well, you've know, you got to do good to love others. That's it. Christianity, as long as you love others, you know, that's, the, uh, that's the be all and end all. And it's not. That's just oversimplifying. You know, to say that you know, loving others is the, is the total of Christianity is to ignore the cross of Christ, the judgment of God. See what I'm saying? Then on the other hand, there's overcomplication. Some people overcomplicate the uh, the meaning of the parables. To look for meaning, to direct the way we operate economic matters, for example, in the parable of the master who paid his workers similar wages for different work in Matthew chapter 20. you know The master goes out, he hires a group in the morning for a certain amount of money. He, he, he hires some at noon, in the afternoon, in the evening. At the end, he pays them all the same, right? Remember that parable? Well, To say overcomplicating would mean to try to figure out an economic system to run a business or a company based on that idea. That's to overcomplicate matters. The parable is not about economics. The parable is about grace. So another rule to follow is look for the general spiritual principle that is put forth. Don't oversimplify. Don't overcomplicate. Rule number three, Remember that parables illustrate truth. Like pictures in a textbook illustrate the text. Now that's, that's only half of it. Uh, parables illustrate truth but they do not prove the truth. In other words don't formulate doctrine based on parables alone. Very dangerous. You know, for example there's no parable that proves that Jesus is the Son of God. See what I'm saying? So we need to remember that parables are not doctrinal statements. They are figurative ways of pointing towards unseen things. Laying down a story with, correct, with concrete things next to a spiritual thing which is unseen. Remember that's what I said at the beginning. That's what a parable is. A parable is you lay down a concrete story about people and things and events. You lay that down in order to mirror a similar principle in the spiritual world that can't be, that can't be seen. Okay? So through what is seen we discern what is not seen or what is not seen becomes clearer. Now parables usually point to some truth which can be found written somewhere else. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates love for neighbor and who neighbor is. In Luke chapter 10 verse 27 Jesus quotes the Old Testament scriptures to clearly say this. And so the, the parable illustrated the idea but it didn't invent the idea. You see what I'm saying? The parable of the Good Samaritan illustrated the idea that one should love God and love neighbor as self. Okay? But the parable didn't invent that idea. It merely illustrated that idea or that law, that principle. So make sure you understand that parables illustrate truth. They don't invent truth and they don't prove truth. Number four, look for the meaning or conclusion within the parable itself or within the context before drawing your own conclusion. A little bit like rule number one, but a little more specific. See, sometimes Jesus gives the meaning of the parable at the very beginning or at the very end, like the rich fool, the parable of the rich fool. Sometimes the Lord asks someone else to give the meaning, like the Good Samaritan. He asks the crowd, well, who, who is the, good, who's the neighbor here? You know, he asks them to give the meaning. Sometimes he responds to a question about the parable from a listener in the group that he's teaching. Again, An example, Peter, the apostle, asks about how something entering a man's mouth cannot defile him, when Jesus is talking about food and how food doesn't have the power to defile you spiritually. And then sometimes people are left to draw their own conclusions. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 12, uh, Matthew shows uh, the religious leaders drawing the correct conclusion that the parable that was being spoken by Jesus you know, about the wicked servants beating and killing the master's son, Matthew demonstrates that the listeners actually understood that the parable was about them. And so you know, there are a variety of ways that the conclusion for a parable can be drawn. Usually the primary meaning is already contained within the parable and applicable to the situation in which the parable is first being spoken. If you get this meaning, uh, then you can you know, kind of apply it to uh, you know, uh, today's situation. But one of the biggest mistakes uh, uh, Bible teachers make or individual Christians make is they take uh, you know, they, they take a piece of scripture, especially the parable, and they immediately apply it to today's situation or the situation that they want to you know, fit it into, rather than Uh, apply it, uh, rather than find the meaning of the parable within the parable itself and apply it to the people of that time and then extrapolate from there into uh, the meaning of the parable uh, in a modern uh, situation. In other words, the meaning then has to match up with the meaning you give it, uh, that you give it today. The idea that loving our neighbor is, is, uh, is, uh, is the basis of God's great command of love. That's what it meant then. Well then that's what it means now today as well. All right. Number five. Jesus and His parables are one. Jesus and His parables are one. You know, other teachers and moralists uh, can be separated from their teachings. In other words, other teachers and moralists you know are not teaching about themselves. I'll give you an example. Confucius, the the, uh, ancient uh, Chinese uh, teacher and wise man, His uh, wisdom and his sayings and his parables um, are based on um, ancient Chinese wisdom and common common sense. But Confucius was not talking about himself. Okay. He was giving wisdom and parables on how individuals ought to conduct themselves in order to produce an orderly and peaceful society. But he wasn't talking about himself. Uh, Voltaire, for example, the poet, the French poet and philosopher, his fables commented on social issues and human nature, but he's not at the center of his own fables. See what I'm saying? But Jesus is different. His parables are about Himself and they're about His kingdom. The reason people failed to understand the parables is because they failed to accept Him as the Messiah. That was the key to understanding. They understood the story, but they couldn't understand the key that unlocked the significance of the parables. And that was that He was the Lord, that He was the Messiah, that He was the Son of God. If you understood that part, if you believe that part, then you know, that truth unlocked the, the meaning of, uh, of the parables. So Jesus told the parables in such a way that in rejecting Him you shut yourself off from understanding the things concerning the kingdom that was taught in the parables. So the point I'm trying to make you remember here is that Jesus is the key to understanding the parables. Uh, maybe go a step further. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Messiah. That's the key that unlocks the meaning of the parables. All right, so let's talk about some of the parables that are included in Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. I told you to open your Bibles in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 has seven kingdom parables, one implicit and six explicit. Uh, and then one small parable about the disciples at the very end of the chapter. Uh, many of Jesus' parables concerned the kingdom and its nature, the coming of the kingdom, the value of uh, the kingdom. I might say that not all of His parables were about the kingdom, but Matthew has uh, a, quite a few of them that talk about the kingdom. Now the interpretation of these have varied throughout the years depending on the theological position that a person held. So let's read Matthew 13 here, verse 33. It says, He spoke another parable to them. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. Matthew 13, 33. So here's a simple parable about the kingdom, but there were different views about what it meant, depending on your doctrinal position. One extreme view, let me go there, one extreme view uh, sees the kingdom coming suddenly and cataclysmically in the future. You know, people who believe in premillennialism, you know, the thousand year reign and so on and so forth. These people interpret all parables concerning the kingdom from this perspective. For example, the leaven in this parable that we just read, the leaven rising in the dough suddenly is an image that the kingdom will come suddenly, you know, the thousand year reign. That's how they interpret it. The other extreme is that the kingdom is fully realized and complete here and we are only adding to it as time goes by. So if that's your doctrinal position then in this parable the leaven rising is interpreted as the ongoing growth of the kingdom. A third and more middle of the road understanding and I believe more biblically accurate understanding of the kingdom says that the kingdom has been established here on earth by Christ, but it will be fulfilled in the future. It will be completed in the future with the resurrection and the glorification and the exaltation of the saints to the right hand of God and that will happen when He returns. So the third position is not just that the kingdom will come suddenly all of a sudden or that it's already here and it's just getting bigger. It's it's already here. It's growing but there's still another step. There's still a fulfillment to come and that will happen when Jesus returns. The dead in Christ will rise and will be with Him at the right hand of heaven. So Kingdom parables here demonstrate the behavior of those who find and develop within the kingdom until the king returns. So the people who are added to the kingdom that already exists and that are waiting for the fulfillment of the kingdom when Jesus returns, what's happening to them? Well the kingdom parables explain how the people in the kingdom are developing during this this period. So the leaven in this parable is Jesus and the growth is the work of the saints and the final outcome at His return. That's, I believe, a more biblical view of the parable of the leaven. Jesus is the leaven. The growth is the growing of the kingdom. And when when all the dough has been completely uh, uh, done in, if you wish, uh, with the leaven, that's when Jesus returns to complete His kingdom. So um, let's talk about other parables in Matthew. As I said, Matthew 13, we see seven kingdom parables and an explanation of the reasons for using parables, as well as examples of most of the devices concerning parables mentioned in our study today. So let's read chapter 13, uh, beginning uh, in verse 1. It says, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, And large crowds were gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So here Jesus is telling the parable of the sower and the seed as a response to the rejection from the leaders and the people. That's what had just happened. Okay, So the parable teaching that not all will receive the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? You have to understand what's going on in context. He goes to Jerusalem. He's he's getting resistance. He's being rejected by the leaders and now by a lot of the people. So he gives this parable. So we have the explanation of why he will now use parables. He's going to use parables, first of all, for disciples teaching um, and also a method for separating believers and unbelievers and also his use of parables and uh, reasons for them according to prophecy. Prophecy said that the Messiah would use parables and the use of parables was done to teach the disciples and also to keep the information away from those who did not believe. So Jesus explains the meaning of the parable of the sower. So here we have an example of Him explaining a parable to the disciples, also giving us the correct commentary about the parables within the context. So let's read that in verse 18. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary and when afflictions or persecution arises because of the word immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So there, that's a marvelous example, really, just a marvelous example. Jesus gives the parable and then Jesus Himself explains the parable to His disciples. Now the remaining kingdom parables, there are two groups of three separated by two statements and then followed by a summary. So what you have is you have parables, first group, the weed and the tares, 24 to 30, uh, the growing seed, 31 and 32, and of course the parable, the short parable of the leaven, which I, um, which I explained to you. Then you have a parenthetical statement uh, that uh, uh, parable use was according to prophecy. So he gives three parables, then he makes a statement saying, see these parables here? They're being used according to what the prophets said the Messiah would be doing. Then you have an explanation of the parable of the wheat and the tares in response to a question from the disciples, 36 to 43. Remember I told you, you know, some parables, uh, uh, someone asks a question about them and Jesus answers, well the parable of the wheat and tares, that's an example of that, how that parable was explained. Once you have that, you have three more parables. The parable of the treasure in verse 44, the parable of the pearl, 45 and 46, and the parable of the net. So the parable of the treasure and the pearl demonstrate the importance of the kingdom. The parable of the net, you know, they catch fish in a net and some are thrown out, you know, the ones that are no good, the other ones are, are kept, You know, demonstrate that not all will enter into the kingdom. And then at the end, verse 51 and 52, there's a summary statement. So Jesus said, remember now, He's given all these parables. Okay, So now He makes a summary statement. He says, have you understood all of these things? He's acting, you know, the parables I just gave you, do you understand them? They said to Him, yes. And Jesus said to them, therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So Jesus asks if they actually understand the the parables and they say, yes, they do. And he responds with yet another parable, this time comparing them to a head of a household whose job was to provide for the needs of the household. Isn't it interesting? Fascinating. What a teacher. What a marvelous teacher the Lord is and was at that time. He gives them the parables. Then he asks them, do you understand the parables? And they say yes. And then he gives a parable about them. Just the master teacher. So he responds with yet another parable, this time comparing them to the head of a household, as I said, whose job was to provide for the needs of their household. Now, They are providers of the household. So what's the household? The household is the kingdom. And and they're providing what they have been given and taught. Well, they've been trained in the kingdom. So some old things, some new things. Well, some of the old truths, things that are already known and accepted, like the law and the prophets, So the teachers, as teachers, they were giving them information. They were reviewing with them the law, the prophets, especially what the prophets said about the Messiah. And then he says, giving the household new things, right? Well, there were some new truths which they had learned from Jesus and had learned them through the parables. And what are the new truths? Well, the gospel that the death, burial, and resurrection was going to come, that Jesus was Himself the Messiah. All of these were new truth. So as a householder in the parable, He says, you, you're like a householder. You feed the household some old things, right? Out of your provisions. And those old things are what? What the prophets said, what the law said, and so on and so forth, and the meaning of that in the context of Jesus. And then you teach them some new things, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. And of course, in the future, after His death and burial and resurrection, you know, they will be proclaiming the gospel of salvation. So if they have learned and understood what He has taught, then they will be able to see how both are connected and be able to feed the kingdom and establish the kingdom correctly. In other words, if they understood what the prophets said about the Messiah, and if they believed that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, that He was the Messiah, then they were well equipped to to, uh, teach, to nourish, to build and to help grow the kingdom of the king. Well there's a lesson about the use of parables. I thought it was important to go over this type of material because in Matthew Jesus uses a lot of these parables to explain the nature and the growth and life if you wish in the kingdom. All right. Next week or next lesson we will continue with this series on Matthew. Thank you for your attention.